are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. at me. Because I am a ship captain. And ship's captains in ye olden times say ahoy. Oh no. Have have you been revisiting the historical Titanic again, sir? No! Even more olden-y times. The golden age of piracy. Oh, I love pirates. You do? Yes. A socialist paradise. Everyone getting equal shares of the booty, doing equal work on the ship. Truly, aside from all of the murder, a glimpse into our own idyllic reality. Huh. That was not what I was expecting, if I'm being honest. I know a sea shanty. (laughs) Ho, ho, blow the man down. Yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for me. Okay, then. I I think this is going to be a good show. Let's get started. Hi, friends at home! Oh, I've missed you so much! I am your captain, Justine Maston, LMFT, sometimes yoga teacher, many times writer, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard! And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. My gosh, it's been a long time. Just a reminder to the listeners at home, since you may have forgotten, uh, just because we're therapists doesn't mean that we're your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Oh, so, friends, if if you are just joining us, if you just discovered Starship Therapies, welcome. Um, Yes. If you're a longtime listener... You're wondering where the fuck we've been. (laughs) Right, because if you are one of our our stalwart few who, you know, you started with us way back in episode one, Mm -hmm. you'll know that season five was less of a Starship Therapies season and more of a Starship Therapies movie. Mm -hmm. Because in season five, there was one and only one episode. (laughs) Encanto. (laughs) Encanto. And if you remember that episode, or if you're listening for the first time, you know, I think it's worth a listen. It's a really solid episode. And in it, we're like, yay, we're so glad to be back for season five. Mm -hmm. We talked about plans and ideas. I once again did a lot of, um, not auspicious, but I was was being, what is the word I'm looking for here? It's the kind of planning that you know you're not going to be able to follow through on, but you make the plan anyway. Ah, aspirational. Yes, I was doing my aspirational episode planning Mm -hmm. again, which, you know, you called me out on, which was totally fair. But like, really, (laughs) in hindsight, it it was even more absurd than we realized at the time, since again, season five was really the movie. That's right. And how great that that our beloved uh, starship uh, that we model ourselves after, Star Trek, sometimes a show, sometimes a movie. Mm-hmm. Season five, mm-hmm. 
Surprise! It was a movie. <laughs> Surprise to us too. And there it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I posted a little bit on our social media, but just because I'm sure folks are wondering, um, unless you just found out about us, in which case, I don't know, skip ahead a few minutes if this is meaningless to you. Um, <laughs> uh, right after we started season five, I got COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if it was a week afterwards. It was like very shortly after. It, uh-huh. it was very shortly after. And I was, I mean, it, it's hard to say how sick one is with COVID because COVID's such a spectrum of experiences. Um, but I was very unwell. I felt very unwell um, for about a week. And then um, I had pretty intense mental and emotional symptoms, which I felt like I was not prepared for, felt like the um, the the COVID PR department did not tell me I should expect to have uh, memory loss and <laughs> depression, deep ass depression yeah. for like a couple of months. Um, so yeah, I would say May. Did you say May? May was to me when I started to feel like, oh, there you are. Yeah, because I got sick in March. And I think it was around May-ish that I was like, okay, all right. I'm not bursting into fucking tears when we need to... We've been working on a book, Friends at Home. We have a, yes. we have a new book coming out next summer, 2023. Um and it's a book about grief, uh- <laughs> which is like very appropriate to like the last couple of years that we've all lived through. Uh-huh. Um, but it was quite a thing to try and sit down and write while one member of the very collaborative, very necessary co-writing team <laughs> was herself in the throes of deep, deep depression. <laughs> and and the you know like the topics that we're writing about, it's all about it's all about grief. It's mm-hmm. all about loss. You know, and so we were really looking at like how all of that shows up in the therapeutic process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we can go into any. Can we go into more detail than that or no? No, I think yet. I think we would just say that um, this book is written. Um, you know, our our last book, Starship Therapies, was for everybody. Um, our upcoming book, The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients When It Feels Like the End of the World is aimed more at clinicians and the those who, you know, offer the healing. Uh, not just therapists. There's all sorts of folks who hold space for grief. But yeah, we have to hold the space for grief to write about it. And uh, the way that my COVID depression showed up, which was so interesting, fascinating, um, was I was more depressed on Mondays and I got, I felt less awful throughout the week. But our writing time was Monday mornings. (laughs) So there were, uh, there were a number of times we logged onto our call and I just could not do it. Um, We share this to say we were under a writing deadline. We had to write that book. Yes. Yes. 
and we did not have to do a podcast, so we didn't. <laughs> right. It was very much a, the ship is going down, <laughs> and you can't bring everything mm -hmm. on the ship, you know? Um, you can't bring all your leather-bound books. No. You can't bring all your nice uh, cutlery. Yeah, uh, right. A, a terrine. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're, you're not bringing your soup terrine. So we really, and you know, we had like a couple dinghies to try to fit the whole crew into. Um, and between us, we had like three paddles. So that was fun. Three oars. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was sad. We very much missed all of you and we're very glad to be back. Mm -hmm. But that, that was, that was where we were. Yeah. Um, why it was a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then when I started feeling more like a human around May, then we were deep into needing to get the book done. Yeah, because we did we did some right. I mean, we 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 did mm -hmm. we did write while you were so miserable. <laughs> and I, you know, hopefully it's not going to come as any surprise to you listeners to know that like then when we when we went back and looked at the initial things that we wrote, it wasn't good. And when we say it wasn't good, we mean that like we would we would read it. We'd, we'd like skim the first page or two silently <laughs> while we were on FaceTime. And then we would like stop. Sometimes one of us would like call it out, but then we would look at each other and and it was kind of a coin toss who would say first, should we just open another doc then? <laughs> should we just never look at this again? <laughs> Um, so like all chapters got like a, a total, totally rewritten. Some chapters got like rewritten three or four times. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So for, the, and we know like lots of, lots of you who listen are, um, creative mm -hmm. and creators. And so part of the reason I wanted to name that is to say like, it actually would have been so much worse if we hadn't written anything. That's right. If we were looking at blank pages. If we were looking at blank pages, I I can promise all of you that I would have totally just had a nervous breakdown <laughs> and been like, well, it's over, you know, <laughs> like part of the creation is that you just you make and you would say this all the time, just even when we were in the early stages, you would be like, it's chaos magic. You need to stop thinking about it. You need to just put words down. Mm -hmm. Because then there's something there. And though we would inevitably start a new doc. It was, we were like refining, we were like panning for gold and sure the first time we, we went through, we were like, wow, mostly silt, <laughs> not great, not things we're keeping, but it was very much like a part of the mm -hmm. moving journey to get what, what we got, which like, honestly, I think is, is really great and really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you'd never know how awful it was in the beginning. <laughs> The uh, the great irony, and I mean, folks at home, if you are a writer, you will be like, that's not ironic at all. The thing we rewrote the most was the introduction, which we never should have even started <laughs> until the book was done. I swear to God, we wrote that thing like 22 times. I'm not even being hyperbolic. Like we, it got to the point where like, I remember at one point near the end of this process, you were like. Oh, because I also got really sick at the very end, two weeks before book deadline. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I was totally down and out, 
It was a very strange thing. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But at any rate, <laughs> I was like texting you like from my bed and I was like, just, I did it. I already rewrote it. It's great. You spent like an entire afternoon in the wrong dock. I, I did. I did. And, and that was no fault of yours. It was because that was simply how many different versions there were. <laughs> so then we got to piece it together like fucking Franco in intro, Franken intro. And <laughs> for a second, I was like, do you mean James Franco? I was like, I don't, I don't know that James, what? No, no, but Frankenstein. Fran Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Oh, happy new year. It's happy new year. It's Rosh Hashanah when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're working. <laughs> Honestly, I think our ancestors would be like, uh-huh. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, I look around you. <laughs> uh, yes, so I, we had an unexpected away mission. It was not our intent. But we hope that friends at home, even though we missed you and you missed us, we suppose I, we I, we can't prove that you missed us, um, <laughs> that we hope we're modeling that sometimes you just have to take a break, even from things that you love, in order to live in this chaotic, dystopian hellscape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep because because healing and recovery really takes rest and time mm -hmm. right yeah because i didn't recover from covid and then i was like okay let's go here we are <laughs> here we are i wanted us to start season six mm. which hopefully will be a full season who knows? You know what? I'm done with aspirations. <laughs> right. I know. Like we had like full disclosure. We definitely have ideas of things that we want to talk about yes. this season. Um, but I think it, it's safest to be like, and here's what we're talking about today. Here's what we're offering you right now. You know what this is? Right. This is mindfulness. Right. I was going to say, this is Buddhism. This is like truly <laughs> now is all we have. <laughs> This moment, mm -hmm. it is life in its fullest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, w I wanted us to start with something happy. Um, well, mostly happy. There is sadness here too. Um, but something that has sparked so much joy for me in the past few months has been the HBO Max show, Our Flag Means Death. Well, so much joy. And also, I think it's it's wonderfully important to note that like it also sparked a a panel it did that you that you led mm -hmm. you commandeered mm -hmm. at san diego comic-con that's right yeah which was mm -hmm. um very well attended and it's not about how many people show up although that's always nice um sure. you know it was nice to have a full room but it was a full room of people who absolutely love the show and f and feel really seen by it and so it was just a bunch of friendly folks with their cosplays and their flags and I, just an absolute fucking delight. Which really is what that show 
was. It was such mm-hmm. a delightful, mm-hmm. beautiful series. And oh my God, did they really, really stress me out with not confirming whether or not they renewed for a second season. Of course, by now we all know that they have. Yep. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Jesus. It was very stressful. Um, friends at home, if you have not watched Our Flag Means Death, I mean, I cannot recommend this highly enough. <laughs> yeah, like oftentimes I feel like when we're, whatever we're talking about on the mm-hmm. show, whatever art we're discussing, there's there's some sort of like caveat where it's, right. it's like, well, if this is happening for you or mm-hmm. this has happened to you, but I don't feel like that about Our Flag Means Death. It's pretty much like, do you like joy? <laughs> Do you, do you like fun uh-huh. and adventure? And do you think jokes are humorous? <laughs> right. And, you know, there's emotional stuff in there, too. Yes, absolutely. Um, My God, which they like do in this in a really. In a really wonderfully emotionally nuanced way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if um, if you don't want spoilers, I've just stop now. Come back later. Um, yeah. The what is so magical about this show, I mean, there's so many things, but the mm-hmm. what was so meaningful to me as a queer human living in a world where we are still buried and uh, sidelined and whatever was this is a canonically queer central character show. Yes, there is no queer baiting here. Nope. There's no <laughs> will they, won't they for 15 years. <laughs> and then the angel professes his love and immediately dies. <laughs> right. There. Right. There's no, yeah, there's no fridging of anyone. Nope. At least not in season one. And, you know, it's not even just that it's like, well, it's just this one couple, no. right? Mm-mm. It's not even just that it's only like Steed and Blackbeard. Like, there's all kinds of folks mm-hmm. having all kinds of amorous feelings for all kinds of other folks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's a trans character um, mm-hmm. who is handled just so beautifully. I mean, played by a trans actor. Ah, just chef's kiss. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I am loving the cast because they love the show. Yes. And it has really, it's one of those casts where like it has excellent cast chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean like uh, combative cast chemistry, like the movie Don't Worry Darling. Oh my God. They have a certain kind of chemistry, but it's not the darker side of joy. (laughs) Um, This cast, they all seem like they really love each other. They really like each other. It feels like such, there's like the support feels so genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels like a wonderful a wonderfully inviting fandom community to be a part of. And it really is. I mean, I jumped into the fandom really quickly once I watched the show. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Surprising literally no one. Um, and it's just been such a lovely space. And like, yes, in the past couple of weeks, there's been a little bit of scuttlebutt because so many people have entered the fandom. So now you're getting a little bit of... Oh, sure. A little bit of infighting, but it's still, I mean, 
it's not the supernatural fandom. I, as an aside, I also want to give you props for your use of the the term scuttlebutt. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> the, you know, pirates and seafaring. Yeah. The navy, and CIS. <laughs> <laughs> NCIS. I sure did. They Mm, that takes me back to that episode we did about New New Orleans. Uh huh. Yeah, NCIS New Orleans. (laughs) Yeah, they say scuttlebutt on NCIS all the time. Wow, just learning over here. Yeah, so much learning. Um, Mark Harmon. I. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) All right. I feel like we're all contractually obligated to name drop him when you mention NCIS. Um, anyway, the the fandom is getting a there's a little bit of like, you know, sibling fighting, but mm, okay, you know, and I I love you supernatural fandom. I'm not giving you shit, but you 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 do fight with yourself a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm just like. What do I, What do I always say in session? I'm like, you know, no, no shame, no shade. Uh-huh. But we're just we're naming we're naming some observations here. Yeah, just naming it. That's it. That's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So it's it, yeah. it's very nice to see um, the actors interacting with the fans. Um, my delightful friend Samantha, um, who was on Project Runway, made a robe for Vico Ortiz, who plays. Jim, um, and Jim took it, or uh, Vico took it with them to New Zealand for the shoot. So there's like Aww. Insta photos of them wearing it. So sweet. And it's just, it, and just everyone's so happy. They're like, "Oh, Samantha's so great!" <laughs> like, it, it feels so supportive, and I. There's this part of me that's like, I want to study this. I want to study the fandom. And I want to... <laughs> I want to... I... But then this other part comes in and is like, yes, and you want to keep it just this nice forever. So you don't really want to study it. You want to... <laughs> right. You just want to like put it like a ship in a bottle. I do. I want to put it in a bottle. <laughs> that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, so that we're we're talking about our flag means death, which is all about an adventure that doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go. No, and you think you're really prepared, or at least Steed Bonnet, played by the delightful Reese Darby. He thinks he's prepared. Mm-hmm. He thinks he has all the tools and accoutrement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that all one needs is to want something enough. Is that a direct quote? Nope. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> it just, it felt like something that Steed would say, but yes, absolutely. Like he thinks you can mm-hmm. wheel things into being. Mm-hmm. Which is delightful and also so misguided. Yes. And like it really, but it all, it really like fits Steed who he's part of the landed gentry, right? Like Mm -hmm. he, he's, he's very, very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Does, does that mean that he had a beautiful life? No. His like flashbacks with him and his dad, Mm. truly horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, 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 he has that problem that folks have when they're raised in an over-resourced environment where he doesn't really have a sense of, 
where where is reality going to hit you mm-hmm. and be a barrier um but he doesn't like give up when reality starts to hit him he is totally though um ill-equipped <laughs> yes but i i and this will surprise you and folks at home if they're longtime listeners not at all i i love how he just keeps fanficking life Give me an example. So, you know, they decide they're going to, you know, they need a fence for the Englishman. Mm -hmm. And they they go to shore and he just dresses in his grandest white suit and makes Lucius do the same. And he's like, make everyone else feel underdressed. And suddenly you're... (laughs) Oh, sure. You know, walking around talking about check out this fabulous booty I'm hawking. Um, (laughs) He's like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to make this work for me. It's like when I watch shows and I'm like, that's not working for me in my head. I'm going to make it this instead. You know, as you're talking, it also makes me think about the what turns out to be like the first date that he and Blackbeard go on Ah! where he's total like, and I thought they did a good job of like, maybe he's swindled by this person and their fake treasure Uh map. But also it feels like at this point, like Steed sort of knows what's up, Mm -hmm. but he, he's so, even as he starts to learn like what it is to really be a pirate, he doesn't want to lose what he imagines. Right. It is to be a pirate and it's the fun and the game of it all. Mm -hmm. And he really like, wants wants blackbeard to join him in that mm-hmm. yes he's like Come play who with is me. a <laughs> right who is a real pirate pirate who knows like being a pirate is not fun in games mm-hmm. it is truly a hellacious experience mm-hmm. and then i'm not i'm totally gonna butcher it but i love when like lucius is like listen that weird funny li- <laughs> likes you and you seem against all odds to like him so maybe you could just play along uh-huh yeah that bizarre little man over there likes you very much <laughs> mm-hmm. there it is there it is <laughs> yeah and you like him uh, oh it just that's right lucius is like listen S- steed is walking through life in a fanfic he's inviting you to come play with him and you and you keep being like that's not the real world that's not the real world why don't you you know what it is it gonna hurt anything other than your pride to to join him in this pirate fanfic right which he he very much like steed really is giving the indication that he his heart's not gonna be broken when they don't find treasure he could he could give (laughs) two shits about the actual treasure Mm -hmm. it's a totally about the journey and the experience Mm -hmm. oh and they get the plant a luscious piece of vegetation. <laughs> they do. That's true. Yeah. And take care of the plant. Um. <laughs> In case it's not clear already, folks, Justine has watched the show many, many times over. I have, and I'll I'll watch it one more time before I go to New York Comic Con. Um. Yeah. Hmm. But I, are you doing this panel at New York Comic Con? 
Um, I do not have, uh, I cannot say yet. Okay. Okay. The jury's still out, friends. (laughs) If we know by the time this goes live, I guess we'll put it in the liner notes. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to go live after New York Comic Con. Probably. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So then it will definitely be in the liner notes, friends. (laughs) God, it's, I'm just so rusty. I'm so rusty with the pod, but this is great. We're just gently easing back into it. Oh, yeah, we're just easing back in. But yes, I've, I've watched it a number of times. I love it more every time. You find more stuff each time. It's, it is. It's like a treasure hunt. It, you become a pirate looking for booty in the show. And you find it. And you are rewarded. <laughs> I really do love how much you love the show. Yeah, it just it it sparks so much joy for me on so many levels. And when I watched it, I think it was the first time that I watched it. I, you know, it started and I was like, maybe, maybe. And then, you know, by episode four and we get we get Ed um, mm-hmm. totally bought in um, but it started resonating for me that like it's so partsy. It it's like yeah. IF Tell me so much IFS. So <laughs> friends, have you missed us talking about internal family systems? Well, buckle up, friends, because I finally at long last got into IFS level one. <laughs> and it's just gonna be all parts mm-hmm. all the time, even more. Even more. Yep. Um, what are the cliff the cliff notes of this? Is that like the let's see american society i'll keep it small mm-hmm. we we talk about individuals as if they have a single unitary consciousness mm-hmm. ifs is like that's not reality the reality is that like we are built up of a variety of different sub personalities or parts mm-hmm. and all of these parts have different like jobs and activities and tasks roles if you will within our bodies and nervous systems and minds mm-hmm. and things get chaotic when they're not working together. And when there's not a captain mm-hmm. on deck and the captain, the term that IFS uses is the, the capitalist self. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when I was watching this, I was like, it's all parts. Like all the, all of the crew are different parts. And Steed is trying to be in self energy. Um, but he keeps getting swayed depending on which part or crew member is talking to him. Oh, interesting that you thought of it from sort of that more like out outside in mm-hmm. way of thinking about parts. I'm sure part of this or an aspect of this is that like right now I'm looking at the, the, uh, our flag means death cast and the guy who plays Izzy just has a very penetrating case. Oh, Con O'Neill will look into your soul. Right. And Izzy was such a great character for like, to me, he was such a great character because he is a great example of what will happen to a human when their parts have a lot of polarity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he had a couple of parts that like were in very extreme roles. They were, they didn't know how to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, he behaved in a very erratic, contradictory way Mm -hmm. um, because there was a part of him that held great love for his longtime captain and best friend. Mm -hmm one ed mm-hmm. aka blackbeard mm-hmm. eh, ed would teach bone on a beach 
That's right. And I don't mean the kind of, I don't mean like brotherly love. Like no, Izzy he's absolutely in love with him. Yeah. is in love with him. And he does not, but like there, he has other parts that totally do not know how to accept and be with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love this because yes, it's both, right? I can see the whole um, ship as an entity. And then each individual person has their own internal family system conflict and Izzy's a great example I think Ed is like a quintessential example of parts because I mean he even named them right he has a part named Blackbeard right yeah and Izzy's in love with the part that is called Blackbeard Izzy is not in love with the more self-led Ed. And so as self-led Ed starts making his way out, Izzy's like, get the fuck out of here. Bring me Blackbeard. That's great, Justine. Not just because there's there's wonderful rhyming and musicality and self-led Ed. <laughs> but that is a delight. Absolutely a delight. And you even see it in the way that like Blackbeard's, his demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. His face changes, his body changes, the clothes that he wears starts to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think, such a great example of, of parts. Like, yeah, if, it is. if you are someone who is new to parts, or if, if you've heard us talking about parts for 100 years and you never quite got it. Like, I think that's a great example. People are like, oh, does this mean I, you know, have multiple personalities? Like, well, we all contain multitudes and right mm-hmm. you know and ed contains blackbeard blackbeard is a part of him blackbeard thinks he is the self i mean maybe and i think that's where sometimes people get like really confused mm-hmm. certainly i'm like very interested in level 1 to be like well i don't like tell me more about that mm-hmm. um but certainly like when i think about like Blackbeard and how they portray these different parts. Mm-hmm. If you, if you listener think about your own life, mm-hmm. there are certain aspects of yourself that you channel for very specific situations. For sure. Like I use this example all the time when I'm trying to intro mm-hmm. parts to clients. Cause I, and I, I, I was asking like, can I, is it okay if I engage mm-hmm. in some therapeutic self-disclosure? Yeah. I've never had someone tell me no. A client's never going to tell you no. They're always like, oh, tell me more about tell you. Tell me anything about you. <laughs> anything about you. Do you like bananas? Wow. You know, because like there's this mystery, right? right? Like the therapy relationship has to be imbalanced in this way. Otherwise it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think it's always good to name that this is what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Name like why you're doing self-disclosure. It's therapeutic and give client consent because... They get to kind of take that out into their lives. We should always, I mean, do I think always? Yeah, I kind of do. We should always be checking for consent I in a variety of well, forms and fashions. I agree because, I mean, even even the banana example, maybe, they, mm-hmm. maybe they're like, don't tell me if you like bananas because I hate them. And if I know you like them, it's going to change my view of you as a person. Right. Absolutely. And like, while I don't think I've ever had a client tell me no, they have asked, well, like, why are you asking? Mm-hmm. And then they'll sometimes sit with that and then decide whether or not, like, they're ready. And, like, you know, inevitably mm-hmm. the answer is yes to that dress. But to bring this all the way back home mm-hmm. here, when I'm introing parts and if it's just not making sense, I'll, I'll do the 
checking for consent. Mm-hmm. Can I engage in therapeutic self-disclosure? Yes, please. I say, well, like, well, think about it. When I'm done with my therapy sessions for the day, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go home to my partner and be his therapist. Right. And immediately they're like, oh, right. That would be weird. <laughs> I was, and, and I'm awful. like, yeah. And awful and awkward and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Now, in a show like Netflix's Gypsy, it seems sexy. Spoiler alert, friends, it's not. <laughs> it's violating and uncomfortable. No, there's nothing sexy there. No. Um, and so, like, what happens to my therapist parts when I'm done at the end of the day? Well, they go take a rest. Yeah. And then other aspects of my personality get to step forward. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for Ed, like Blackbeard had been front and center for, God, it feels like decades. Mm -hmm. And considering all the hellacious stuff that he went through, he needed that really strong protector part. He did because that child, Ed, is, is holding the burden of knowing that he killed his father. The, the child is holding the kraken. Oh. Right. Yeah. This show is so deep. <laughs> Here's the thing that I actually am going to like gently push back on just a wee bit here. No. I think this show could have had more <laughs> narrative depth. I genuinely okay. do. You do not have to agree. I genuinely think it could have had more narrative depth to it. Mm-hmm. But I think because the characters, the actors bring such a layered and nuanced performance, mm-hmm. it makes up for what, at least to me, when I think about like the writing and words on the page, I'm like, Man, I don't know, what, what was there? I see what you're you saying. Know, yeah. some, the, right. Like narratively, there was some thinness, but it, because the actors are so down, mm-hmm. they bring so much to it. Like it reminds me of like Marina Sirtis's, uh Counselor Troy character. There are some Counselor Troy episodes where I'm like, there is nothing here. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would imagine like they all sit in that in like the I forget what room the room that they sit in when they're talking about like what to do now. Sure. Yeah. Like council. Mm-hmm. It's not council chambers because that's the law. Is it called? The, uh, the boardroom? <laughs> We're going to call it the decision making room. And listeners, if you're room? like, oh, my God, is it? Yeah, war room sounds like too warry. Um, we're gonna call it the what the discussion room. Someone, and yeah, someone at home is losing their mind right now. Yeah, I'm, they're like, oh my god! I can't. But here's the thing: we all contain multitudes, and my part that holds this is tired. <laughs> so please at us and gently let us know what it's yeah. called. But at any rate, like I imagine the script for some of these like episodes with Dan and Troy, where they're all in the discussion room. I like, and it goes down. Everyone's talking, and for her. Marina looks at the page and it's like bub kiss. Mm-hmm. But because she's such an excellent actor, if, whenever the camera turns to her, she's doing stuff right. all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like is true for this cast that like they're bringing so much to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They're, they are always acting, whether it's their, mm-hmm. you know, their scene yes. in quotes or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I was talking about with like, you're finding the booty. <laughs> Because it's, you know, well, because you rewatch something. Yeah, that's true. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. when the pirates come aboard, the Swede hides in a barrel. (laughs) 
Oh my God, the Swede. I do love the Swede so much. He is so delightful to me. I know it's very slapstick, which usually I don't go for. That's not true because I love Will Ferrell. Um, A part of me loves slapstick. A part of me loves slapstick and another part of me is like, oh, I don't know if that's cool enough, but like, it's okay. Both get to be present. Mm -hmm. And yeah, slapstick part loves the Swede and how he (laughs) That scene where he really, he's like, I can't put it back in. (laughs) Please, please, Jim. The teeth don't go back in. <laughs> and my my favorite of, of him is, so this whole time you were a woman? I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> and of course, Jim's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a woman. I'm questioning everything. Yeah, this is a really uncomfortable conversation. Why are we doing this right now? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the Swede is just being a Swede. Yeah, it, each character is a full character, even if yes. even if they don't have a ton of lines, like mm-hmm. like Fang. A Fang doesn't have many lines, but Fang is <laughs> such a great character. So true. Like, why is mm-hmm. he wearing a hot topic belt on his head? I don't know. Hard to know. <laughs> really hard to know but he embodies it and it'll be cool if we find out more about it in season two that's right and he's just delighted that lucius wants to draw him naked (laughs) that's true (laughs) has anyone ever told you you have great cheekbones once or twice i guess this is reminding me of another wonderful uh, booty scene, I guess. Yes, where, where uh, you finding where Lu- a yeah, mm-hmm. where Lucius decides he's like he's like I just de- one day I just decided I would act cute. Oh yeah, he's I've uh, so Izzy says I guess you think you're pretty cute, and Lucius says I- actually I think I'm just so so, but I've decided to carry myself as if I'm cute. I need yes. ah. It's so great. And and like and it's such a short, brief scene, but it it like he knows what the cultural construct is around like attractiveness mm-hmm. for men who present and identify as men. Mm-hmm. He understands that he doesn't fit that stereotype. Mm-hmm. But he also is deciding to like really question that social construct. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care. He's gonna just carry himself. He's gonna embody his own cuteness. And that's what radiates. Mm-hmm. It's fucking delightful. And, you know, it probably is part of what drove Izzy totally bananas. Uh, yes. Because he's on a ship that's full of humans trying to lead from self. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure if I think that, like, Blackbeard's Blackbeard part thinks itself, but I do think that Izzy's... The part of Izzy that we only see, really, mm-hmm. that's, like, making choices, thinks itself. Yeah, and that that would be hard because it really the only person on the ship that's kind of like playing a part would be Black Pete. <laughs> what part do you think Black Pete's playing? Well, you know he want he wanted to be Blackbeard's sidekick. Like he fancies himself sure a real pirate. Yeah. 
when he's not with Lucius. I think when he's with right. Lucius, he's much more self-led. But, you know, he wants to be... He's, he, there are parts of him that want to lead. Like, he wants to lead from his dread black Pete part. <laughs> Which is just so great in terms of, like, showing why that's absurd. <laughs> Because I have to be honest, I totally forgot until you had mentioned it that he'd had that Dread Black Pete thing because he just is, he's like a little petunia. Right. Well, he's like, what's the matter, babe? Do you have an upset tummy? <laughs> you nervous? Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I just think of him as being this like very sweet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a part of him, a strong protector part is like, maybe I need to be this other thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I need to I need to start the mutiny and I need to, you know, tell stories about how I saved Blackbeard's hide that one time. So true. That's <laughs> such a great reminder. And I like from the word go is just like, I can't take any of this seriously. Mm. Like, I don't believe you, Pete. Right. I don't believe you, Pete. I don't believe that this is actually what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, which is partly... I know, I know I need to start up, stop using parts because, or like partly language when it's not exactly you, parts because it's confusing. You're going to, you're going to figure out how to that. do this because yeah, you get, you got to find other words. Otherwise it's all parts and parts and parts. And then, it, and then people just are like, I'm so lost. I joined a cult. Exactly. Well, yeah, with Black Pete, like there's, you, you can, you see other parts coming in and out for him. Mm-hmm. You see the self. And you see that there's that there's more going on. Whereas Izzy, Izzy is locked down. His self is locked down. And as I'm saying that, I'm realizing we should probably define like what does it mean when a part thinks that it is the self. And perhaps you, can you define this, Justine? Because I I I get very confused by it myself mm-hmm. when it comes to the definition of it. Yeah. So, and it is complicated, right? Uh, oftentimes. We think we're leading from our capital S self. And then we get curious with ourselves and we realize, actually, this is, this is a part that is like a manager, a life manager um, that we've handed controls over to. I, I used this example with, um, with clients before. So imagine, if you will, that you are in a company. And the CEO, the self, has just delegated lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of things to their executive assistant. And has done this so much so often that executive assistant just decided they're going to do stuff now because, I, you know, they, right. they're just taking care of it. Let me take this off the CEO's hands. They don't need to worry about this. I'll just do it. And then eventually the CEO checks in and is like, hey, um, what happened? Right. <laughs> and executive assistant's like, well, I've just been running the company. It's like, well. Don't you love what I've done? Right. He's <laughs> like, but, but wait, this is my company. And executive assistant's like, is it though? Because you've just been sitting in your office. I've been doing everything. Everybody reports to me. 
the, you know, ask the mailroom guy who he thinks is in charge of this company. He thinks it's me. You know, the other parts are used to bringing stuff to the executive assistant. And it can be hard, like, befriending that part and saying, hey, you've done a really good job. You're right. Right. You're right. For whatever reason, I was not accessible. And I know it's hard to, you know, give back control once you've had it. So let's let's talk about what it makes sense for you to be doing, because you're probably really tired having run this company without getting the compensation you so richly deserve. Um, you might be asking yourself, listener, huh? What would make the self just hang out in their office all the time? Mm. Often it happens because there's a profound and imminent threat mm -hmm. to the system itself. Mm -hmm. So think about Izzy and Blackbeard. Yeah. We don't know everything about Izzy's backstory, but it doesn't sound like Izzy had a lot of safety mm -hmm. uh, when he was who I'm going to call Lil Izzy. Aw, Lil Izzy. You know, Lil Izzy seems like there were like was raised in the school of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. And the self is the most important thing to any individual system. Mm. And they and like the so all of those parts will do literally everything they can to act mm -hmm. and save that self, including hiding it away. Yeah. So whatever is threatening the body can't get to mm -hmm. that self. And this is especially common when like those kinds of threats are happening when the person is, is young, is, is a little Izzy. Mm -hmm. Because there's so very little that you can do to protect yourself when you are young. You are so reliant on the whims of other grown-ass adult humans. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the sense I get based on what we know about Izzy from season one is that like his system locked away self mm -hmm. and put it somewhere where it's so safe that it just like hasn't been around. Yeah. And now Big Izzy's like, well, I'm I'm it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm the one I'm in charge. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's going to be hard for him, or it is hard for him, when he has soft feelings that don't fit with the narrative. Where do, where do they go? They don't make sense. It risks, you know, capsizing. Ah, nice. Good boat imagery. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's yeah. That's right. Well, and you know, you and I have talked about this amongst ourselves. I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod before. Um that and we're we're thinking of doing a book. Yeah. You know. We have a lot of books. We have so books many books planned. planned. <laughs> yeah, I was away this weekend at a good friend's bridal shower and she was asking me like how it went, yeah. wrapping up the second book. And I think she was asking like what are you going to write next? 
It's not so much a rhetorical question, but more like, wow, I'm sure you're glad you're done. You're ready for a rest. And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> here are all the things that when she was like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the Simpsons. Never fear. We have stories for years. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I know pe- people have asked me to, and I'm like, I don't actually know which one's going to be next, next. Mm-hmm, but here are all the uh, current ones in the hopper. Yeah, here are all the ones in the hopper, because you and I have some in the hopper. I've got something in the hopper with Kat. I got something in the hopper. It, anyway. Um, <laughs> things are hopping. <laughs> things are hopping. Back to what you were saying. Well, what I was saying is we've talked about how um, people will search for what they believe to be self. They will try to find self outside of themselves. Because they're looking for a feeling that they that they don't recognize in themselves. And so they're not looking in, they're looking out. Beautifully said. And so that's where, you know, we get a lot of cults. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, guru worship. Like, you know, Izzy's clearly in love with Blackbeard, but I think he also sees Blackbeard as his self. Who is he without Blackbeard? He right. has no he identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's this angry protector mm-hmm. who screams a lot of the time, which is probably why his his throat is so raspy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you brought this up because it does, it brings up something that like, I don't know that we've talked about all that much on here on the podcast mm-hmm. that is either, but certainly we've yeah. talked about in clinical consultation, which is that It's an aspect of why there's so much conversation in therapy schools Mm -hmm. about not building like over-reliance into the therapeutic relationship. It's why there's so much time spent, regardless of like what school you go to, what modality Mm -hmm. you're trained in initially around um, what in marriage and family therapy we call rules, roles, and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And being very, and again, this too is an aspect of why we're always very clear about checking for consent when it comes to therapeutic Mm self-disclosure. Because it's again about really making it clear what my role as the therapist is, what your role as the client is and what I can and can't do. And so like when clients are feeling flooded, they absolutely will ask things like, well, what do you think? Oh God, always. Yeah. Or what What should should I I do? (laughs) Or what what do you think that person meant? Mm -hmm. And then what should I do about it? And the reason that we you that a therapist is never supposed to just like throw off an answer and be really confident is we are not the client self. Mm-hmm. We are guides to self. Yeah. And I uh, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking of a, a I have a couple of clients for whom this we've been working together for years, but they still find this so frustrating. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, just, yeah. you just tell me, just this once, just this once, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, I, I hear you. I hear you. And what makes me the expert of your life? Right? What, what I might do could be totally wrong for you. Mm-hmm. And this is how you get abuses of power by therapists. You know, like Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, whose therapist was made himself the self. Yes, you know, and it's an aspect of why. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're, you're just going to keep working on how to use mm-hmm. other words that aren't part. Use other words. I might have to just start Googling synonyms for aspect. <laughs> Um, it's an aspect of, of why I think you and I really struggle with the idea of life coaching. Mm. Cause on the one hand, there are things that are frankly, listeners at home, very, very appealing. Yes. Because I got to tell you, <laughs> I got to tell you after coming through a pandemic for two years and we still don't have some type of national licensure situation. Mm-hmm. And I got more and more people who are becoming nomads yep. and the state of Illinois is like, unless you're sitting in the state of Illinois, Best of luck to you. Or you have couples who are one of them travels all the time for business. Mm-hmm. And what do you what, And technically the letter of the law is, well, you need to find a couples therapist who is licensed in Illinois and Michigan and Washington, D.C. Right. Which is absurd. Like if if my partner and I decided we mm-hmm. wanted to see a couples counselor, he travels mm-hmm. different places every week. Right. So if you wanted to keep up with even every other week therapy. <laughs> right. I guess you'd have to find someone who was comfortable sitting in gray areas or someone who lived in a state where they were comfortable sitting in Mm -hmm. where like the laws weren't quite so strict, you know, and like life coaching, you, who cares? You can just call yourself, you can just call yourself a coach and you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So that aspect of it, I'm like, oh, wow. The aspect of it that I'm like, "Mm, definitely no, is that because there's no training, Mm -hmm. You also get a lot of folks who are life coaches who don't have an understanding of the danger, the dangers that come from being so directive, so instructive, telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have walked right up to my concern with 12-step programs. Oh, yay. Would you like to share? And I want to be clear that I am not saying 12-step programs are bad. It, my concern is around the sponsor sponsee relationship um, because in 12 step programs, you know, a sponsor is someone who has more sobriety than you. And um, basically they, they tell you what to do. Yeah. And you're just supposed to do it. And for folks who understand the power they hold for folks who, you know, have been in recovery a long time, are, are going to be really mindful. It works fine. But just like any situation where there's a hierarchy, there's a potential for abuse. And I have seen it happen, unfortunately, where the sponsor becomes the self. And, and then there's no reliance on the actual self that is in within right. oneself. Right. And then any and all major decisions have to be run. Right. External. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can make it hard to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, I'm going to make the wrong decision. Well, and it's interesting that to, you know, be looking at this from all these different angles, because it's reminding me of the first half of my career when I worked with young children and parents. Mm-hmm. And this would be an aspect of my conversations with them well which was how do you in ways that are developmentally appropriate Mm -hmm. really foster and support your child in autonomous decision making which also means autonomous failing that's right yeah oh 
Man, I have this conversation with people so much. And I think it does. it is going to bring us back to Our Flag Means Death because we, we took a little detour, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, That's our vibe. <laughs> right. We're just... We're just cruising through the ocean here. We don't have a definite destination. We we have some islands we'd like to hit, but overall we're just sailing. And the wind is with us, you know, so why not? (laughs) So why not? Um, Oh, shit. Where'd it go? Oh, this is what happens. We start, like, leaning in to talking about all the metaphor. (laughs) And then it's... And our, our, like, our whole systems are like, wow, this is great. Really? Maybe we are in a ship. Let's imagine (laughs) This is a fun imagining. I'm having fun imagining. <laughs> Let's stay here. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Thank you. Um, I loved that in Our Flag Means Death, everyone on the ship was invited to have their own identity and be their own yes. individual mm-hmm. selves. Mm-hmm. The, like, buttons. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, button. This is clearly some kind of druid. Um, <laughs> basking in moon glow and talking to Carl the seagull. Oh my god, it was so tragic. What happened? I literally like clutched my chest when it happened, and I was like, "Am I crying over a CGI bird?" And I was. I was. Um, but. You know, you have to have a certain kind of captain who will say, yeah, show up and be who you are. You know, Jim, you can't talk. That's fine. That's, you know, Oluwande, you're always just telling me how it is. Okay. And you wear Crocs. They're a- anachronistic. <laughs> That's fine. Like, <laughs> Yes. That was something that very this feels like Steed really intrinsically understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you just get to show up as who you are. Um, every now and then I'm gonna ask you if you might wear a costume, um, or <laughs> you know, just to to get out of mm-hmm. scrape. But right, you know, yeah. Roach, I'm not going to tell you what to do in the kitchen other than make me a a 60 orange. (laughs) I love when he's like, how did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, you know, each of these humans is their own human. And and he's trying to, he even talks about it in the first episode. He's like, you know, I'm trying to foster... You know, good good management here by setting up uh-huh. a, a nice environment where they get paid a wage and they have a rec room and <laughs> we we talk and we talk through decisions. We talk through it through as a as crew, a crew <laughs> which is so self led. That is such a wonderful example of like the external system mm-hmm. that nobody is making choices on behalf of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And when it concerns decision-making that impacts everybody, everybody gets to gather together and talk it through mm-hmm. and share their perspective. Yep. And then, you know, the, the self is ultimately the one that chooses, but everyone gets to say something. 
I mean, and that's the part or the aspect that I'm really, <laughs> I know I'm really going to like push up against when I do this level one training yeah. because it's that piece that my socialist part is like, well, that's a little capitalistic of us. <laughs> Why must just ultimately one person decide? We can decide together. Mm. As a group, my own therapist, very much bless her heart, she is also an IFS therapist, and she has heard me talk about this so many times, and each and every time she's like, yeah, okay, I get it. And she's like, you know, each part has their own little bit of self, and you really want to honor everybody's choices. Oh, I love that. She... <laughs> and, I, you know, I should have known that this was going to be a sticking mm -hmm. point for you. Absolutely. But I kind of <laughs> love socialist IFS. <laughs> <laughs> which like to be fair i the way it's set up like it is fairly western um it is but then it has certain aspects of it and it's because i'm doing the reading material right now and what is it it's like the term it's the internal family systems model second edition yeah which so many changes i'm glad you're doing the second edition Mm -hmm. so many changes so many updates maybe this is one aspect of the updates mm -hmm. this first section isn't but the second one might be where richard swart shorts whom everyone just calls dick i think he's, he's what he calls himself as well um he's like there are no bad parts there are only bad roles mm. and then there's a sentence about you know the goal is to really figure out like each each part wants to find the role that's best suited mm -hmm. each ah, according the to their ability. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, really? Really, Richard Schwartz? Oh, has Karl <laughs> Marx entered the chat, Dick? <laughs> I think he has. <laughs> oh, that, that is great. And, it, you know, I, Steed created a, a a little bit more of a of a socialist vibe for his uh ship. Oh, and then they're co-captains. Let's talk about co-captains for a minute. Let's do it. Because let's end with co-captains. Let's end with co-captains. Um cuz I would love to talk about each and every single character, but we just don't have time for that. Um but for folks who don't know, Historically, I mean, uh, Steed, Blackbeard, these these were real people. Um, they were not really in love that we know of. Um, but, you know, this is historical fan fiction. And uh, part of what they took from the historical record was the idea of matelage. And in real piracy, you would mm -hmm. get mated to another person um who would you know get your booty when you died right <laughs> so you basically got pirate married oh i do remember you texting me about that when you were doing your research and it's called matelage and that's where we get mate mm -hmm. and matey um and so when they said let's be co-captains right whether they meant it or not they were saying let's let's get pirate married <laughs> and they got pirate married 
And then sad things happened. And I want this episode to only be about happy things. So we're not going to talk about the sad things that happened. Okay. We're not going to talk about the sad things. We're only going to talk about happy. And like, I'm thinking of that scene where Blackbeard comes back and he's had to. Yeah. And Steed is like so worried for him. (laughs) And Ed's just like, I just no, I've I've realized what I need. Mm hmm. I don't need all these things that I thought I did. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Yeah, he uh, Ed was ready to give up everything. I mean, he he did give up everything to turn himself in. But he was like, "Let's run away together." Let's... Right, because he he had found he had found something that he never really thought he would, mm-hmm. and it was so wonderful. And he was ready to say yes to the dress. Yep. As long as I'm with Steed. As long as I have Steed, it doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. And that's what makes the tragic end so tragic. But luckily we're getting a season two. We are getting season two. I'm a little worried that David Jenkins is really going to torture us in season two. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah. Yeah. This was a hap- this is a happy time. This is a happy This is a happy time. We're not talking about happy sad season things. opener. We're not talking about sad things. We're not talking about the middle act. Nope. We spent eight months talking about sad things. God, we sure did. And you know, here's the thing, friends, as we get closer and closer to second book launch, which is summer mm-hmm. twenty twenty three. Um you know, the, the sun may help you sit with the sadness of our second book. <laughs> you know? If you are located in the Midwestern climates. Uh, But at any rate, right? We will be talking about sadness later, Mm -hmm. later. But today, today it is is about joy and the joy that comes from um, finding new ways to connect with your parts, finding finding new ways to be in harmony internally Mm -hmm. and how to foster that, that harmony with others. Yeah, I love that. I get getting to know the crew in you. Was that part of your panel? No. I just thought of it. <laughs> uh, that feels like a chapter title to me, my friend. No, my, uh, my panel was Our Flags Mean Death, <laughs> Ships on Ships. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... Th- I also really loved that you cosplayed as both Steed and Blackbeard. I was the ship. Right, like simultaneously, yes. like yeah, you embodied the. Sh- it was just, it was so delightful. Yeah. It was so well. Delightful. The, I, that was part of what I loved about the crowd that showed up. Was um, it was taking us a few minutes to get ready, and so I was vamping a little bit, and I was like, you know, I think this crowd's gonna appreciate this, but I wasn't sure if I was gonna feel more butch or more femme today, so I brought both outfits, and. I felt like a little bit of both. So I was Blackbeard on the bottom and Steed on the top. <laughs> What's funny is I really feel like it's very fitting that Ed would be a bottom. <laughs> well, yeah, learning how to receive. I think that'd be big for him. Uh-huh. I think it would. And on that note... <laughs> I think we have we have concluded mm-hmm. 
episode 74. Okay. All right. This this is this is so great. See, with the May- cobwebs are mm-hmm. coming off. That's right. Listeners, I hope you found many many bits and bobs of booty and treasure <laughs> from our chats today. Mm-hmm. Um All right. Um, if, if folks are curious to look up what we talked about today, what are some of the things that we discussed? Um, in a shock to no one, we talked about internal family (laughs) systems, uh, also known as IFS for short. Mm -hmm. We talked about the capital S self and how to be Mm self-led. We talked about, um, play. Mm -hmm. In all of its delightfully powerful forms. And we also talked about therapeutic self-disclosure mm-hmm. and managing expectations. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, fanfic. Mm-hmm. We talked about fanfic. Always. That's right. Uh, always an important topic. And we did a pretty good job of staying on track with just talking about our flag means death. Because I had so much I wanted to say about that. You did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At one point, I was like, maybe I'll bring us over here. And then I was like, you know what? No, let's stay on the ship we're on. Ah, well, we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. We think you'd look great in a puffy shirt. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to, to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to tell your friends. Just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fanfiction to Rewrite Your Life, is now available at all of your favorite booksellers. So order yourself a copy or two or three and share the news with your social networks. And as always, friends, live long and, and prosper. prosper.